0: everybody this is alex with alex was podcasting um on today's episode i've been thinking about this for a while of doing audio commentary over some of my albums and what better place to start than my first solo album um the joker got away it's an ep it wasn't long enough to be considered a full-length album but it is still a debut album by yours truly And I'm just going to talk about How The mi- the mindset I was in of making it And what my goal was And how I feel about it now Considering that the album Came out When did it come out? Originally Came out in 2018 You know, two years later Um. Yeah, I'm just going to Kind of overall talk about it. Um, I recently re-released it, um, remastered by my good friend Garrett of Fifty Two Hertz Whale fame, and uh, I think it's a lot better. It's just more balanced, and you can actually hear it (laughs) because I recorded it on a Tascam little eight-track board, and you know, for what it's worth, it sounds fine on the original it just is really quiet because i don't know what i'm doing really but you know there's some cool moments um i'm now i'm pretty happy with it it's still kind of a it's kind of a slow burn it's kind of a dark record and there's some really dark moments on there um but it's uh it's my first you know foray into music of me music representing me by myself and yeah let's hop into it first track being uh uh changed mind or cool cool i keep jumping between those two songs but it's it's mostly just a changed mind um musically i was trying to emulate um jethro toll's uh saucity you're a woman off their benefit album um and i mostly do that only because it's um capoed at the third fret and it's an a minor probably my favorite chord to play and i wrote that song in probably three hours three four hours um i had all the music ready and i mean it's it's a simple song it's a simple little nugget of a song and lyrically i was going for um people who have to change constantly to adapt to um um themselves and to like Um, the situation that they're in and it's, um, it's not a good change. It's, and it's not so much following a trend. It's constantly being unsure of yourself and, but still adapting and changing. And it just is kind of a, I wouldn't even say it's self-reflective because I wasn't thinking, like, oh, this is about myself. No, it's... I had a couple people in mind when I was singing it, and I had them at the forefront, like... I I all, I did everything short of having their picture in front of me while writing the lyrics. And... Yeah. Uh, this, you know, being uncertain of yourself and of life and constantly changing your mind and not so much for the better um, I like the weird kind of um, barrage of vocals towards the end of the song which I don't know <laughs> if it really adds much to the tune or not it's cheesy but I it's kind of celebrating being uncertain of yourself and being i don't know it's it's a it's an interesting song i'm proud of it and i wouldn't really i there are some word changes i would definitely go a different route with i i like the idea of everything it's pretty much i want to say like 80 percent there Maybe if I had spent an extra hour on it, it would have turned out to a more pleasant, um, you know, I probably would have liked it a little better. I like it now. But if I were to re-re-re-record it again, I would uh, finally write that bridge or something. Um, but yeah, that's changed mine. The That o- opens the album, too. I think it's an appropriate song to open an album with. then hopping into the next song uh, barely dead, which whew, is a is a bummer of a song <laughs> um, I remember writing I actually had the lyrics written back in high school during one of my depressive no one understands me, man. Moments, and uh, I was scrolling through my collection of lyrics that I've written over the years, and that stuck out to me. I thought I can probably make that interesting, and I had this little chord, little pl- finger plucking, pl- finger plucking kind of riff thing going on, and. It is just a really kind of low to the ground, somber, you know, depressing tune. (laughs) Um, it it's hard to listen to. It I didn't feel as depressed as the song kind of portrays. I mean, I did back in probably high school or whatever, but you know it as I listen to it now, it feels very, like a cry for help, and I'm like, I'm fine, it's just a really somber, depressing tune, and it very, very much, comes across as like a, I'm, I'm ready to die, man, just just end it, oh no. I'm so angsty, I can't do it anymore, when, when in reality, I, I was fine. <laughs> it's just my parents don't get me. My friends don't get me, man. I'm going to write a really depressing song and then share it on Facebook. That's sort of where the lyrics came from. Uh, but, you know, musically, I think it's good. I think it has potential to be a better song. Um, Garrett added uh, cellos to it, which I think helped um, give it A little more life, but at the end of the day, it's still just a bummer of a tune, and it's hard to sit through. But it's, it's there. It's a song that best is. I don't know where I'm going with this. It's a bummer song, and I can't listen to it anymore. All right, now the title track of the EP, "The Joker Got Away." Now I should say this here: I named the EP "The Joker Got Away" because "The Joker Got Away" I think is one of the best songs I have ever written. Um, musically, lyrically, I the pace of it goes really. It's it's a wonderful pace. It's very the image the imagery is rich. I I listen to it now I think of like this like Greek tragedy type thing you know buildings are burning down and and people are blaming the Joker not not a Batman fame but you know like a Joker of you know olden times the the Jester the the town fool everyone blames him when really it's the the higher-ups that have corrupted and burned everything to the ground, but it's easier to blame the jester because, I mean, you're going to believe them, right? You're going to believe the angels because they're angels. I mean, that's how I think of it now. It wasn't how I was thinking about it when I wrote it. I wrote most of the lyrics back in high school again. And I tweaked a lot of it, and it came out as a great, it's a journey. It's storytelling, probably one of the best storytelling songs I have ever written. And it has so much potential, and it's, I'm really proud of it. I would, I, I, I'm rambling. I, I'm really proud of it. If I, if you were to ask me what the best Alview song was... I would be showing you that song and I can't wait to you know hopefully write the next great Alview song that I think would top it next song would be Control which was originally recorded again back in high school on a, a mandolin now the story behind this is pretty quirky i my my father had given me this beat up beat beat up mandolin and when i say beat up i mean it was beat up and i you know i learned a couple tunes of i think i learned a battle of evermore and i uh, i i did a covers album recently, which featured me, which features me playing mandolin on a Jethro Tull song called uh, A Christmas Song. It's mixed down because mandolin sounds like shit now. It's, it's always sounded like shit. What am I saying? But anyway, before I did any of that, I said, oh, I'm going to write a song with this right now. And so I hit record on my Tascam 8-track thing, and... I just went for it. I played the first thing that came to my head, and diddle 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 diddle. I I went for it, man. And I sang uh, over the mandolin, which I wish I would have separated that into its own track. And <laughs> the vocals are so all over the place, and it it's about the song as I was. R- r- singing it the words were coming out i had no words for it i was just splurting them out and what i was getting at was i'm I'm gonna learn to master this instrument i'm gonna learn to play this instrument and i still don't know how to play it (laughs) and yeah it's a a nice little attempt it's again i want to say like 70 percent there 75 percent there uh garrett did a what i call a drum mix he added some drums to it which elevated that to i want to say 85 90 percent like there and it if you're going to listen to any version please listen to the drum version because i consider that the definitive version off the remastered ep because it's good it (laughs) it's a fun tune i i can i listened to that driving down the highway the other day and it it's i'm proud of that and i thank garrett for this a simple thing of adding drums makes it so much better so thank you garrett and that song it was an experiment of writing something in the moment and going with it and see how it goes and i'd say like again 75 70 percent there like pretty much a success almost i'm proud of it Hopping into, um, the weirdest thing I've attempted, and I say weird because it felt, I felt good in the moment doing it, and I don't like it now, (laughs) is the song uh, The Wind, which was very much just reading, I don't want to say, it's like slam reading style poetry, it's not some Rob Flynn reading bastards type shit, but it may as well have been, <laughs> I read this story about um, basically like this predator, um, you know, stalking this boy home, which in hindsight it's really fucking creepy, and I remember in the moment thinking, like, it's going to be strong, man, this is going to be emotional, like, people are going to go, wow, that's, like, that's scary, man, and no one heard it, and, (laughs) and it, I overdubbed, like, some breathing parts, and I layered, you know, the refrain, I guess, and it was, it was an attempt at being artistic and an attempt to be, you know, you know, a little pompous, a little full of myself. And did I succeed? I don't think so. But it's there, it's out there now, and I can appreciate the attempt, and maybe I'll try something later down the line with a little more creative aspects to it. But, you know, as it is right now... Uh, the wind is just the weird, So it's the red-headed child of, like, my discography. And the lyrics are fine. Like, it, it would make a decent song, I think. Like, it'd probably fit, like, on, um, oh, what's that Queens of the Stone Age album? Era Vulgaris, I think. Yeah, I think it would fit on there. Uh, No. Lullabies to Paralyze, that's what I'm thinking of, because all those songs are very much in the vein of storytelling and the Brothers Grimm, you know, style writing. Um, But yeah, The Wind is a weird song and is part of my album. (laughs) Not going to lie, when it comes to the West demo, it was, at the time, very much of... I need one more song. I can't release a five-song EP. I mean, I could have. I very <laughs> very well could have, and it would have been fine. But I didn't, and I kind of shoehorned this at the very last minute, this really rough performance of me playing... This idea I had for a song called West, which was very western-based idea, uh, very much inspired by uh, Mike Patton's uh, Mondo Kane. I forget the name of the song, but there's a song on there that had a very pretty, kind of spaghetti-style western guitar. And I basically dick around on a couple, a couple A minor riffs with me playing some really bad lead over Ooh. it. I'm a lot better now, so I could probably hold my own, but it was more of, I remember recording it, again, back in high school, say it with me kids, back in high school, and it was more just like, okay, I just gotta get this idea down, and I layered all those guitars, and cool, it's not crap, but it gets the idea across, and I call it a demo, because you know, we ended up using that on the Faltered Step album, uh, Reverie, as one of the big, you know, one of the big tunes on there. And majorly different from the demo, other than the main riff. And, yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, me trying to solo, it's there. <laughs> um, Yeah. I'm not going to sit too much on it cuz again I shoehorned it on there it's just a thing and yeah it's there The album cover very much uh you know I think it sets the tone of the album if you are scrolling through Bandcamp or wherever and you see that cover, you pretty much know you're in for a bleak uh, time. Uh, My good friend Zach, you know, helped, you know, uh, photo, do all the stuff to make that album look, it's a really good cover. It's a really good picture of me looking very dour and somber and Sort of angry. Um, I, in hindsight, I wish I didn't add the word "EP," but whatever. <laughs> That's me being nitpicky now. Um, yeah, the dark gray, the little slight tinge of brown that might be in there. I don't, I, I'm looking at it right now. It, yeah, it very much sets the tone for what you experience as a, as a package, the whole album is very low to the ground and very somber, there's not a lot of positivity on the, there's no positivity really, you can say Control's a little upbeat, you know, with the, the drum mix, but it's, the whole package is very somber, very... <laughs> but it's something I am. I'm still proud of it because I put it out there. It's something that represents me and something that I did. Um, I wish I spent a little more time on the whole thing because um, subsequent releases since then have been. have proven that if I spend time on something and not rush it. I can make it sound decent, but I always have this mindset of, I have this idea. I have to chase it before it goes away. And then I do it. And then I try to like do a mix on it. And then I'm like, that's it. That's it. It's done, but it's not done. You have to sit on it for a minute. You can record the idea, but you know, if you want to release it, you got to have it sound good. Have it be audible. And, and that's that's a big flaw that I have, because you know with subsequent releases the volume changes are all over the place because it would I would be chasing an idea and I wouldn't properly you know mix the input and all that and then I have to retroactively either figure out a way to boost the volume or re-record it and my brain goes I I captured something magical there I don't want to re-record it even though that thing has like four (laughs) mistakes in there and I always like, oh it was cold that day, or the sun was in my eyes and (laughs) it didn't... it wasn't good it wasn't good, I I need to... I need to marinate on songs more, I need to marinate on albums more which is why my uh, next album that I'm working on right now I'm very much taking my time with and trying to make it as balanced as humanly possible at least to my ears trying to make it audible for people to hear (laughs) and have it just be a solid sounding album and so my final thoughts on The Joker Got Away is it's it's a nice little somber depressing little package it's it, I don't think it defines me. I mean, I really do think the the title track is a fantastic tune, and I'll carry that with me forever. But you know, most of everything else on the record well, changed mind. I'll maybe tag that along with it. Is very somber, very mundane, very bleak. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Bleak. There's not a lot of chance for positivity. It's, it's reeking in negativity and I'm trying to veer away from that. Um, but yeah, if you want to hear it, I suggest you listen to the remastered version on my band camp. Again, spelling my name out for the umpteenth time. A L V U VU as if you forgot the last 20 times I said it. Um, that's the best way to support me direct directly um the remastered is not on Spotify because of technical crap but uh yeah, you can check it out, download it for free if you really want on uh bandcamp and you'll you have it. it's yours. It's yours. Take it <laughs> but I'm gonna wrap up this episode of audio commentary style talking. Um, that was the Joker got away. Um, if you listen to it, I hope you enjoy it or take something away from it. I, it's probably going to be the title track, but I, I hope you enjoy it for what it is. Uh, thanks for listening and I'll see you next time. This was Alex was podcasting.